Romans 7, 7 through 25. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? <sighs> Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Amen. Hmm. Thank you, Kara. Uh, what a great passage of Scripture. Uh, my name is Chris Hay. I'm one of the shepherds here at Cornerstone, and this is bizarre. Uh, I assume there's a lot of you out there in living rooms and various places uh, listening on the live stream. I just looked at the feed. It looks like there's a lot of activity. Uh, like Billy said, or Todd said, or somebody said, there's a few people in the room, uh, but uh, I'm preaching to a camera. But I'm preaching to you, because in the, in the midst of all this crisis and all this craziness, uh, we want to do everything we can to still feel like the body of Christ, still feel like Cornerstone, still feel like a family. So I, I, I'm glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, I'm assuming that in the room, wherever you are, there's probably some kids and some teenagers. Welcome to you. Um, uh, I just told my wife, I said, they never trained us in seminary for this kind of thing, but here we are. And I just wanted to say that th this whole crisis, this whole thing that we're going through right now is such a reminder of how fragile and how broken uh, uh, the world really is. And Paul is talking about that in our text this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our study of Romans. Um, Paul is dealing with the impacts of sin on us and on the world. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 7, uh, the text that, that Kara just read. Our text this morning is 7, 7 through 25. So open your Bibles and follow along with us here this morning. Uh, back in Romans 5, we saw that sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and so, so death entered through the sin of that one man, and so then death spread to all men. The entire creation, uh, the planets, uh, nature, uh, human beings, uh, was thrust into what I am calling brokenness. We are broken. The earth is broken. Creation is broken. We're all broken because of sin. Now, God had a plan all along to restore things to even better than they were at the beginning. That plan included God calling out a people for himself, the people of Israel. He instituted the law, priests, prophets, the tabernacle, the temple, the sacrificial system. And he commissioned Israel to be a blessing to the entire world. Go to the whole world by making God's name great. Go, go spread the, the message to everyone that this brokenness can be fixed. And eventually, Jesus the Messiah came from Israel, and Jesus paid the once-for-all sacrifice to conquer sin and death on the cross and in the empty tomb. And he inaugurated the church to be his people. Now, we, the church, have been given the, the mission, the commission to be a blessing to the world and tell them the good news that Jesus can fix this brokenness. In fact, he's the only one who can fix it. And one day in the future, God will finally and completely restore this broken world, us broken people, in the new creation. We as followers of Jesus, we as, as, as believers in him, we have, of all people, we have hope in the midst of what seems like a hopeless situation. No matter how crazy it gets out there, we have hope in Jesus. So please, please, please rest on that great truth. But in the meantime, we have to deal with the brokenness that results from sin our own messed up lives, diseases like coronavirus that has practically shut down the world, 
and the anxiety and the fear and the panic that goes along with it all. The last two verses of our text today are the best summary of both the situation and the solution. Look at, look at verses 24 and 25 of, of Romans 7, uh, where Paul says this, Wretched man that I am, or I liked how, how Kara said it, uh, miserable human beings that we are. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he asks this, this hopeless question, but then he answers it. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this morning, as we, as we face a world gone crazy, um, I want to share three thoughts from Romans 7. First of all, sin brings brokenness and death. Sin brings in this brokenness and this death. Now, that's an interesting word, brokenness. I'm using it a lot through this message, uh, and, and I, I just thought, I'm going to look up a dictionary definition of brokenness, and this is it. Uh, having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working order. Now, does that sound like the world right now? We're fractured, we're damaged, we are no longer in working order, and it sounds like our lives way too often. The world is broken. Earthquakes, fires, floods, mosquitoes, disease, coronavirus, and, and, and don't make any mistake, there'll be more viruses that come along that will catch us off guard. We as people are broken. We give in to our sinful desires. We're selfish. We reject God's ways. We demand our own ways. There's, there's panic. There's fear. Relationships are broken. Anger and bitterness and divorce and hostility. Governments are broken. Scandal and lying and self-serving. The world is a broken place and we are broken people. Things are not right. In the next chapter of, of Romans, in chapter 8, Paul says this in verses 22 and 23, For we know that the whole creation, everything, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies." This coronavirus and, and all the chaos it's causing is a perfect example of a broken world. And that includes the fear and the panic and the, the irrational behavior that goes along with it. I, I mean, a run on toilet paper, on cases of water. I saw a picture that Costco's out of spam. Grocery store shelves are, are stripped bare. People are in line for hours to buy things. I did see one picture, uh, one store. They're out of bread, but they have chocolate. So uh, if you need to stock up on something that's important, it's still out there. Now, what we need to understand is that sin has caused this. Sin caused the brokenness. Sin is pervasive and invasive and universal. Sin is not just the bad things we do. It, is an it has invaded all of us inside and out. It's invaded all of the world. Therefore, the world is broken. And as we face the many aspects of that brokenness, we ask why all the time. Why did I get cancer? Why did my loved one die? Why did I lose my job? Why did my wife or my husband cheat on me or divorce me or leave me? Why did March Madness have to get canceled? Why can't we meet today in this room as a large corporate body of believers? Because the world is broken. So often that's the only answer we can give, and 
So sometimes that simply has to be enough of an answer. It's a broken world. So what about the Old Testament law? Paul's talking a lot about the Old Testament law in our text this morning again. Well, well, the law simply identifies more areas of sin and more areas of brokenness. The law can't remove sin. It can't remove brokenness. can't remove the fear, but it identifies it. Look at Romans 7, verses 7 and 8 in our text. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Paul, again, clarifies that the law is not bad. It is not sinful. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Now, I think, it's, I think it's pretty apparent that, that murder or adultery is sin. But is it just as obvious that it is a sin to simply want something we don't have? Maybe not. But when the law was written, suddenly there was this whole new class of sin that I didn't even know about before. It was already there. It was already sin. I just didn't know it. Great. Now I realize that I am even more sinful and more broken than I thought I was. Thanks, law. So yes, when the person in front of us got the last case of water, or the last pack of toilet paper, or the last bottle of hand sanitizer, and we wanted it for ourselves, that's sin. The law can't fix sin. It only reveals sin. The Old Testament law, Roman law, American law, whatever law, completely inadequate to fix the brokenness. Because even if we have great laws, and the Old Testament law was the best system ever, the law can't fix our sinful hearts. The law can't fix our sinful minds and our sinful desires. And that's what we need. So sin entered the world and it broke everything. Me, you, Nature, coyotes that kill our pets, divorce, wildfires and mudslides, viruses and bacteria. But please hear this. We cannot fix it. The law can't fix it. Humanity can't fix it. Government can't fix it. Trump can't fix it. The CDC can't fix it. The World Health Organization can't fix it. Washing your hands can't even fix it. Although we should do that. And that leads us to the second thought I want to share this morning. And that's this, we are helpless to do anything about this sin, death, brokenness issue. We're helpless to do anything. Paul explains the wrestle that we have for sin and, 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 uh, down in, in chapter 7. Uh, look at verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. <laughs> In other words, I am helpless on my own against this force of sin and brokenness in my life. I can't do it. I, I, I do what I don't want to do, and I do, do, do what I... Anyway... It's a mess. We are broken. It's like a toddler who, but we try to fix it, don't we? Like a toddler that says, I want to do it. I want to do it myself. I want to do it. Our first inclination is not to run to God, but to figure it out ourselves. But we can't. 
The world has no ultimate answers. God stirs up one little virus and the world falls apart. I looked up this week to see how small it was and I couldn't find an answer, but this coronavirus is, is microscopic. He stirs that up and the entire world falls apart. All the structures, all the technology, all the wonderful achievements, all the financial markets, everything we've built simply collapses. Human systems can't fix the brokenness. Paul gets that and he expresses the frustration in verse 24 when he says, wretched man that I am or miserable human being, miserable person that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Are you feeling that way these past few weeks? The world has gone mad. The financial market has gone mad. The sports world has gone mad. This is miserable. Who will deliver us? Maybe you were planning on retiring this year and suddenly your IRA has evaporated. Maybe you were planning on a trip and it's been canceled or starting college or starting a new job or any number of things and everything has just gone poof, gone. Dawn and I are scheduled to visit our kids in Australia in three weeks, our kids and our grandkids who live there. Are we going or not? I don't know. Just heard this morning that now there's a, a mandatory 14-day quarantine for anyone entering the country. So what's that mean? It's all frustrating. It's all confusing. It, it, and so we ask, who will save us from this? Who will deliver us from this body of death? It's a desperate question, but there is Hope. There is an answer. There is someone who can fix the brokenness, someone who will fix the brokenness, not yet completely, and not soon enough for most of us, but he will. And he gives us hope now while we're waiting for that solution. We can live with hope now. And that's the third thought I want to share this morning is the answer, the solution, is Jesus. Verse 24 and 5 again. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is the hope. There is no other answer. There is no other solution. To fix the brokenness in us, we have to be changed from the inside, simply conforming to some external standard, simply acting the part or putting on a facade or looking good or trying to follow a set of rules does not fix the brokenness. Even the Old Testament understood that we needed to be changed. In Ezekiel 36, written five or 600 years before Jesus says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you this new heart, this new spirit, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, my Holy Spirit, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We have that now. That has happened. The Holy Spirit has come. Our hearts have been transformed. Our hearts of stone have been changed to hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit lives inside true followers of Jesus and he works on transforming us. He is what we need. He is what we need to deal with sin and brokenness and fear. He is all about making things right again because things are not right now. They're messed up. 
And as he works to make us right from the inside out, we then become agents of bringing rightness to other broken people and to the broken world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the solution. Those that don't have the hope of Jesus are looking for answers, they're looking for perspective, they're looking for hope, and we can point them to the only place there is hope. Man, in the midst of all this chaos, be ready to engage people in conversation and share Jesus. When you miss out on that last tub of Clorox wipes, shrug and have a good attitude and display Jesus well. Or maybe you got the last tub, but you turn around to the person behind you and you say, here, you take him, I'll be fine. Oh, let's display Jesus well. Let's not, let's not stoop into the gutter and become these, these animals that are trying to get all this stuff off the shelves and the, the last toilet paper and the last water. And No. The church should emerge from this crisis looking better than ever. God always brings good out of the worst situations. Always has, always will. So I think I'm excited about the good that's going to follow this. When this all finally settles down, I trust and I pray and I hope that the church looks good, that believers look good, that Jesus looks good. Never, never forget, Jesus is the conquering king and the victor over all things. He has defeated sin. He's defeated death. He's defeated sickness. Even though we still experience those things, there is a day coming when Jesus will completely restore all things and make them even better than they were before creation. The lion will lay with the lamb. Poisonous snakes will be gone. No more cancer. Viruses and bacteria will never bother us again. But of course, in the meantime, we do live in a world that's broken by sin. We are broken people because of sin, and we just need to accept that as reality. That's just the way it is. We're broken. But the Holy Spirit lives in us. The eternal, holy God himself is right here, ready to comfort our fears and our anxieties and counsel our confusion and heal our hurt and move us toward rightness. As we wrap this up, I want to leave you with a few takeaway thoughts, some, some things to think about and keep in mind in these unsettled times. First of all, never, never forget God is absolutely sovereign. He is in control of all diseases and he is a good, good father. No matter what happens, draw on his strength, draw on his word. He is in control. Read the Psalms. If you're, if you're really unsettled and don't know what to do, open the book of Psalms. David was a man who was rattled by life in the same way. Second thought. Be honest with your fears and your anxieties and your concerns. Be honest. Don't, don't try to stuff down that you're not feeling it, but then rest them in the big, strong arms of our God. We can trust him. You may, you may need to turn your fears over to God multiple times a day. That's fine. He's not going anywhere. Share with one another. After this live stream is over, if you're together as a group, just, just take some time and talk among one another. What are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What are you scared? What's, what's your anxiety level? And encourage one another with the truth of Jesus. 
And thirdly, let me say this. If you're listening now and you have not placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, this is the time to do it. There is no hope. There is no answer. There is no solution apart from Jesus. If you're with somebody, ask them about this. How can I place my faith in Jesus and trust him and become part of this family? Number four, um, enjoy this time as Sabbath. Take advantage of these next few weeks, maybe longer. School's canceled, travel's canceled, activities are canceled, concerts are canceled, sports are canceled. Everything that normally causes us to run ragged has been canceled. Do you see that as a blessing? I suggest that we look at these next couple weeks as a gift of rest, that maybe God decided, you know what, society, you're going too fast. I'm going to slow everybody down. There's going to be a lot less carpooling, a lot less ramming around, so there's time to play games. Do a puzzle together. Don't panic over what you don't have in the pantry. Get creative. Make a, our family calls it, goo for dinner. I have a hunch that when this is all over, we might be sorely disappointed that things have gone back to normal. And finally, the last suggestion is wash your hands. A lot. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a sovereign God. Thank you that you are in control. Thank you that you're a good, good father and you only give good things. And so we look at this, we look at this uh, pandemic in the world and we don't see how it's good. But I pray that we trust you. When we can't understand, when we can't comprehend, when we can't see, we simply trust and rest that you are good and, and you will work good out of this. Oh, the disease is not good. The, the virus is not good. The death of people, the, the fear is not good, but you can bring good out of it. So comfort us this morning. Give us perspective. Let us be creative in how we meet as the body of Christ, how we do family time. Let us, let us see you through all of this. The world is broken, but you are the answer. And so thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.